<laughs> Quit out, Zing. Ghost Island Media. Just a quick note before we begin today's episode. Thank you so much for your outpouring of support for the show. We really did not expect the positive response that we've gotten, and it's extremely encouraging. We look forward to making more content for you in the future. We have noticed quite a number of you have environmental questions. Please feel free to record them using your phone and email them to us at ask at wastenotwhynot.com. Thanks, and now on to the episode. Corals are dying. Most of us know this. And if you don't know, now you know. They're dying en masse. And many people think that that's only because of climate change. But we'll get to that later. The reality is that by 2050, we probably won't have any corals left in our ocean. But a really cool thing about coral is that it regenerates. Well, it can regenerate if we give it the opportunity to. So scientists around the world have been trying to figure out how to do just that. How do we regrow coral reefs? Some have turned to the power of science and are even using 3D printers for restoration. We still struggle to print in color, but maybe this time we can use printing to save a whole reef. But is this possible? Can technology save corals? Hi, I'm Nature Nate, and this is the Waste Not, Why Not podcast, where we talk about how not to waste your time in saving the environment. I'm an environmental researcher based in Taiwan. I work in energy, ocean, and waste issues. Welcome to our third episode of the show. Can technology save corals? Can technology save them? Before we get into coral resurrection, we need to first understand what coral are and why we should care about them. You have to have seen pictures of corals, I assume you know what they are, and maybe at a cocktail party you pretend to know even more, but let me help you out. Corals are essentially plant-animal hybrids. Their symbiotic relationship with algae gives them the energy to create some of the most biodiverse ecosystems on Earth. Biologically speaking, corals are made of two parts. The first is a rock-like skeleton made of polyps, and the second is the zooxanthellae that live inside that skeleton. These zooxanthellae give coral life, and it's pretty colors. Essentially, if you are a coral, the zooxanthellae is your meaning to life. It is your soul. If they leave your skeleton, you are considered dead. So, what would make a zooxanthellae leave? It's like a house on fire. When a house catches on fire, you're going to want to evacuate. Likewise, when a coral gets stressed, for reasons that we'll get into later, those zooxanthellae peace out, leaving behind just the colorless, lifeless skeleton. You, the coral, are now dead. You have been bleached. Once the coral are dead, the things that live there tend to leave, which is real bad because a lot of things live there. 25% of all marine species live on a reef, on just 0.2% of the ocean floor. So if we lost that, that would be almost the same as if we lost all the countries in Europe. No more France, no more Italy, just bleached out coffee shops. Reefs are home to some wild dudes, like the mantis shrimp, which has the striking force of a rifle and it's the only known animal to move in a wheel-like motion. Or cone snails. They can kill you with a poisonous harpoon. They hide in their foot. Also, of course, Nemo lives there. And just like the Nemo franchise, corals provide billions of dollars in economic value for humans. They generate this 
economic value by providing us fun times, ecosystem services, food, and medicine. For recreational value, let's talk money. On the extreme end of the spectrum is the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. By one estimate, the Great Barrier Reef produces $6 billion Australian dollars per year. That's $4.28 billion for you American folks, and $3.8 billion euros for my euro friends. This is the market value of tourists just visiting the reef and spending money there. Come for the coral, stay for the beers, and the bloomin' onions. Australia needs the Great Barrier Reef to stay alive, because without it, fewer scuba divers would visit, and even fewer Instagram scuba posers would visit. Capitalism aside, corals provide really tangible direct benefits to humans, even health and medical benefits. For example, the chemotherapy drug RSC comes from a sea sponge found in coral reefs in the Caribbean. Another 20,000 chemicals have been found in coral reefs that are potentially useful for pharmaceuticals, and that list grows by more than 1,000 new compounds each year. In Asia, some people directly eat the coral. This is a PDDT from Waste Not Why Not. Please don't do that. Coral has no medicinal value on its own. In fact, eating it literally kills it. It also hurts your teeth. Instead of eating the corals, eat what's around the corals. But not too much. We'll get to that later. Corals are a source of food for 500 million people on Earth, and a direct source of protein and nourishment for 30 million of those. That's like saying coral feeds the entire population of the U.S., and it's the main tummy filler for the entire state of California. If we lost coral's magical food powers, it would be catastrophic. But how do corals create food? Well, other Nate, corals create food for humans by keeping fish alive. The physical structure of a reef provides a living space for baby fish and reduces wave action so they can stay safe and grow. Think of it as the forest of the sea. In a forest, tall trees hold nutrients in place and create spaces for multiple creatures to live in and shelter them from predators, setting the stage for a beautiful diversity of life. Now, as humans, we eat this beautiful diversity of life. In the same way that corals protect baby fish from waves, coral also protect humans from waves as a form of natural coastal defense. In Australia in 2015, when a Category 3 cyclone hit, coral reefs mitigated what would have otherwise been a more disastrous event. How did the coral reefs stop the waves, you ask? Well, I don't know if you've ever touched a coral before, but they are hard. PDTTC, please don't touch the corals. Yes, they are hard, complicated, chained interlinked structures with the power to break waves. That's it. That's how they do it. So, instead of building a wall on land, <clears throat> Perhaps we should invest in protecting our corals to keep our coastal communities safe from increasing hurricane intensity. There you have it. That's why corals are so important. These part plant, part animal hybrids give us money, medicine, fish, and protect us from deadly waves. They're amazing, but we're killing them. We gotta stop doing that. Okay, before we talk about how to bring coral back to life, we're first going to talk about why they die. The paradox of coral is that they create tremendous benefits, 
but they are also extremely fragile. Poop. Yes, poop. They're dying because of poop. We all don't like it, but corals really can't handle poop. Algae grows rapidly when there's doo-doo in the water. It loves to feed off the nutrients. It's like fertilizer for sea plants. Now, under a healthy system, there will be some level of algae on corals, but nearby seagrasses or mangroves absorb those excess nutrients, and animals that eat the algae keep the corals somewhat clean. But that's under a healthy system. Increasingly, algae is covering coral, which blocks the sunlight and weakens the reef. This makes it susceptible to disease, direct damage from people or storms, and other threats. Algae moves in quickly after a reef is destroyed, taking its space. So algae kills the reef and then takes it over. It's just like gentrification. But there are other ways nutrients can make it into the ocean too. A lot of it comes from agriculture. When farmers water their fields and add excessive fertilizer, these nutrients wash into rivers, which eventually make their way into the ocean and onto our corals. Sometimes, cattles are even raised next to coral, like in Australia, where cows are one of the main detriments to coral health on the Great Barrier Reef. In a way, cows concentrate the above problems of excessive nutrients, sediment, and poop. Then they push out these onto the coral consistently. But it's not just cows. Go ahead and stop eating beef if that makes you feel better, but there's more at play here. Humans also poop on corals. A nearby city or even a boat's wastewater can create an overload of nutrients. There is this beach town in Taiwan called Kanding where Nature Nate, that's me, did his Fulbright research. A booming tourism industry there in the past decade inspired residents and foreign investors to set up hotels and homestays as quickly as possible. This overloaded what little water treatment was there. And on top of local onion farming, it caused a decline in coral coverage on the west coast of Kanding. Did you hear those words? A decline in coral coverage? That's how scientists say, coral murder. And you know what really murders coral? Climate change. This is something you are probably already familiar with. Climate change makes the water warmer, more acidic, and more likely to produce storms. To put it bluntly, hotter oceans means more dead coral. Coral murder! In 2016, sea surface temperatures on the Great Barrier Reef were the hottest ever recorded for the months of February, March, and April hot waters push coral outside their comfort zones and make it too hot for them to function. This, combined with other stressors, is enough to cause bleaching if the heat lasts too long. There have been 10 mass bleaching events at the Great Barrier Reef since 1979, but in the last three years, we've witnessed two. So, coral murder! You know what else kills coral? Ocean acidification. Why is soda acidic? Why can it melt a steak? Because of carbonation. What is carbonation? CO2. That is the simplest way I can put it without getting into chemical formulas. It's a really complex and terrifying process, one worthy of its own episode. But the TLDL version is that increased acidity means fewer calcium building blocks for coral. This makes it harder for the coral to build their skeletons. And this also weakens their existing skeletons, thus killing the coral. Coral murder. 
Coral murder. Climate change is a coral death accelerator. It's changing the environmental conditions for coral, making it harder for them to live. But it's not always the main threat to coral. Sometimes, that's fishing. P.S. ECF. Please stop eating coral fish. Fishing in or around coral is a serious threat to their health. They can be damaged directly by dropped anchors or trawling where large nets are dragged across the seafloor. But also indirectly when you take the fish friends away. Yeah, that's right. Nemo was an environmental film. I bet you didn't even know that. Fishermen often take the larger reef fish to sell for dinner. But Mother Nature made these reef fish so that they can eat algae. If there are no fish to eat the algae, then the algae overgrows, hurting the coral. Coral murder! These things don't happen in isolation. It's all connected. A healthy, well-managed reef can yield between 0.2 and 40 tons of seafood per square kilometer per year. That's a pretty big variance, but this is still enough to lure the fishing industry into excessive fishing, or using destructive fishing methods like dynamite and cyanide to kill fish quickly. This causes a positive feedback loop. Fishermen usually receive very little money for fish, so the more fish they catch, the more money they will get. But this means fewer fish in the ocean, so the fishermen use more intense methods to catch the remaining fish, which further reduces the amount of fish left in the ocean. So the fishermen use further intense methods. You can see where this is going. This means it's not easy to just walk into a fishery and say, hey guys, cut it out. This is why marine protected areas don't always work. You set up a protection zone, but you have people literally fishing for their lives. Break the law to send your kid to school? It's a hard choice. Can we reverse the process and undo some of the damage we've caused to coral? Can we regrow the reefs? In the face of enormous threats, scientists have taken decades of coral research and used it to restore those ecosystems. Well, since nobody listened to scientists about the decline, maybe it's time to listen to them now that they have new toys. This is where it gets science fiction-y. 3D printing. Yes, scientists have been trying to figure out how to recreate solid reefs using three-dimensional printers. The 3D printing can't just be a lump of concrete. It needs to be porous. It needs to have enough crevices to allow new corals to grow. This is a complex job. In 2012, the first 3D printed reef was sunk off of Bahrain. A single section of reef weighed up to 2.5 tons. In Monaco, a firm called Boscalis is working on reef restoration with the Prince Albert of Monaco Foundation. Fun fact, I've actually fingered the prince's belly button. On accident? Well, so I was working at an ocean conference, and I got to mic him up, and my fingers slipped in between his shirt buttons and poked his belly button. Anyway, this dude really cares about the environment. That's the takeaway. At some point, these guys sunk six reefs made of dolomite, not related to Vegemite, weighing 2.5 tons each into the reef. This took them 13 hours to print, which is weird because that's how long it takes for me to print a single piece of paper at the office. But can new corals just start growing off of a 3D printed structure? Just like that? Think about it. 
In a natural reef, a bunch of flesh and plants are literally holding together thousands of years of ancient skeletons and stone to create a shorefront that protects humans and our land from cyclones. Fabian Cousteau, of the famed Cousteau family, is working on 3D printing corals too. He warns us that there is no silver bullet for coral restoration. And he's right. While this is a long shot, it's a scientifically based one, and the people working on this, for the most part, are all coral scientists who have decades of research to build off of. This isn't some corporate greenwashing event. These are scientists trying to save what they love. In addition to the quantity and quality of artificial reefs, we're also going after speed. So far, scientists have discovered how to regrow a dying reef 25 to 40 times faster. The Moat Marine Laboratory and Aquarium in Florida made this discovery when their director accidentally dropped a coral when he was trying to move it. To their surprise, they found that the fragments of the coral had actually started to regrow together faster. Now, this wasn't totally unprecedented. Aquarists have been breaking up corals for breeding for a while. This is called fragging. But trying to get them to regrow together into a larger specimen? This had not been attempted at scale. They call this process microfragmenting. Researchers in Indonesia had tried something similar. When they added hexagon-like structures into the reef to support new fragments, they found that they could increase live coral cover by 60%. That's a lot. Of the various coral restoration methods, these two have gotten the most attention. Building new reefs in a special way, or trying to regrow the natural coral faster. Experiments like these give coral a fighting chance in an era of coral murder. But let's go back to the original question. Is this enough to bring coral back, or are we just delaying extinction? Think back to what we know. Corals are under threat from a variety of things. Poop, fishing, climate change, and tourism. And I didn't even get into coral diseases, invasive species, or sunscreen. Some things we can easily control as an individual, a company, or even at a city level. We can choose how we vacation. Tourism operators are very sensitive to boycotts and public pressure. Fishing, well, you don't have to eat coral fish. Some of the other threats are a bit larger scale, especially land-based pollution and climate change. We can't do much about those, although we have to try. So imagine this scenario. You regrow a reef, or you start to regrow one, with 3D printing and micro-fragmenting. Only for a particularly strong hurricane to hit that year, blasting the reef apart. Then you rebuild and the local community has switched to shrimp farming in nearby wetlands, which is sending rivers of shrimp poop into your corals, causing algae blooms. Or maybe the area starts to recover and the fish come back, but following them closely are fishermen, and it's now the next hot new fishing zone. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Yes, we need to figure out how to regrow, but technology isn't the final or even the right answer. We're really good at destroying nature, but we cannot just magically restore nature. Restoration is not a magic wand. It's part of a process, and we need to create an enabling environment. So the real question is, how do we stop killing them? The scientists who work on coral restoration agree with me. In a PBS News segment, Bill Causey of NOAA's Office of National Marine Sanctuary said, It's going to take our global leaders to address climate change, and we have to have the time for those actions to take place. 
This technology isn't a waste, and the coverage for corals is of course needed, but restoration in many ways is the last mile of conservation. We have to stop the bleeding first. So waste not, folks. Don't let the scientists waste their time. They're all working really hard on this, and we can help them by doing our part. Don't get bummed out. There's some easy things you can do to protect coral. First, and this goes way beyond just coral, limit your seafood intake. Only consume from responsible or verified sources. You can use the Seafood Watch Guide in the U.S. or another list if you live in another country. In Los Angeles, 40% of seafood is mislabeled. It's probably even higher when you get to the rural Philippines for diving. Donate to coral conservation. Ideally, if you live near coral, do the research and find an organization you trust in your area. The Coral Reef Alliance, for example, does really good work fixing wastewater issues. Blue Ventures is another group that works with local communities to ensure sustainable livelihoods, and they also rebuild coastal and wetland habitats. Also, really important, make sure you visit your local aquarium and learn about corals, especially if you plan on seeing them in the wild. Remember, scientists say that by 2050, we could have no more living coral in our ocean. It's pretty easy to hurt corals, so always listen to dive instructors as well. Stepping on a coral, even once, can cause some pretty serious damage. So I leave you with these parting words. Support scientists who are trying to restore and regrow corals. Don't step on corals, whether they're natural or 3D printed. Don't touch corals. And definitely, whatever you do, don't eat corals. I'm Nature Nate, and this has been the Waste Not, Why Not podcast, recorded on a Yeti by Blue Microphones, recorded in a hot, very hot room in Taipei, Taiwan. Subscribe to our show, look us up on social media, and if you like our show, tell a friend about it. If you have feedback or questions, send us an email. You can find all our contact information in the show notes. This has been a Ghost Island media production produced by Emily Y. Wu and Emily Cardinelli, written by me, Nature Nate. Edited and sound engineered by Emily Cardinelli. Original theme song by Chris Lowe. Show logo by Kathy Sue. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>